The first reading is taken from John chapter 1, verses 35 to 42, and can be found on page 1064 in the Pew Bibles. Jesus' first disciples. The next day, John was there again, and the two of his disciples were with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what Jesus had said and followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his uh, brother, Simon, and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So John the Baptist and two of his disciples see Jesus walking past. And something about what John says to his disciples catches those disciples' attention. John says to them, look, here is the sacrificial lamb of God. Here is the one who will purify, save uh, God's people, the one who will draw people close to God. Just something about the way John said that, something about the, the look of that guy and, and the look in his face as he walked past, maybe caught their eyes as he walked on past, those two disciples of John's hearts ignited and they found themselves following him, tailing him, just chasing after him through the crowds. It's not clear from the story whether John had kind of sent them off to follow him. It probably may not have been clear to the disciples themselves, but whatever they found themselves, their focus now on this man in the crowd ahead of them, trying to get to him. I don't know how it is, it's never happened to me, but detectives always notice when somebody's following them. There's a sixth sense. Jesus had that same sense, and he was aware of them following him, and he turned around, and he faced them, and he asked them the question, what do you want? What do you want? Now, the disciples went to know at this point that for Jesus, this was a really important search-like question. This is a question they were going to hear him use again and again in the future. What do you want? And it's a question he's asking us to this year. What do you want? What do you really, deep down inside you, want of God and for yourselves. Rabbi, they answer, where are you staying? It's a kind of easy, um, you know, quick uh, social pleasantry. It's just a way of responding. Where are you staying? 
But these guys are disciples, disciples of John, and they have caught the resonance, the deeper reverberations of Jesus' question to them. And their response also has a deeper resonance to it. Where are you staying? Where can we find you? What kind of spiritual world do you inhabit? Where is the home to which you might lead us? And Jesus, looking into their eyes and into their hearts, liked what he saw. So he doesn't brush them off. He doesn't explain himself away. He just offers them a very simple invitation. Come and see. Come and see. A simple yet profound invitation to follow Jesus where he leads and to see who he is and where he's going. Well, some of you have been following Jesus for many decades. Some of you may only just have heard of who Jesus is. Some of you will be asking a question that you've asked yourself before. Where are you, Jesus? Where are you staying? Jesus says to you all, come and see. Come and see. What an extraordinary day those two had, alone with Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Wouldn't that be amazing to be on your own with your friend with Jesus? Close, intimate, questions asked and answered. They left his company um, regretfully, but excitedly and energized by the conversation that they'd had all day. Excited by questions and purposes that were calling out to them, that were beyond them. And Andrew discovers that discipleship isn't just about meeting with Jesus. The first thing that happens to you as you get drawn into discipleship is that you have to share it with those you love. So he goes home and immediately he finds himself telling his brother, we found the Messiah, the Christ, the one sent from God, the one who will change the world. He's amazing. You've got to come and meet him. Come and see. Come and meet Jesus. And so Peter finds himself drawn into the story too. The story loops around the second time. Peter is pointed towards Jesus. Peter finds himself seeking Jesus, seeking to find him. Peter finds himself spending time with Jesus. Peter finds himself hearing life-transforming words. Jesus says to Peter, I'm not going to call you Rocky. I'm going to call you Rock. Peter. And on you, when I'm ready, and when you're ready, I'm going to build my worldwide mission and ministry on you and on your confidence in me. This is the discipleship cycle, our 2016 challenge. Choosing to follow Jesus, choosing to spend time with Jesus, 
choosing to be changed by him, choosing to bring other people into his presence. Would you like what these three men experienced to spend the day with Jesus? Well, Jesus invites you too. But can you, like these three men, simply follow Jesus wherever he goes? Can you do whatever he tells you to do? Helen, our next reading. The uh, second reading is taken from James, uh, chapter 1, verses 19 to 27, uh, and can be found, if you thumb through um, past Hebrews, on page 1213 of the Church Bibles. That's James, chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. So James says, do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. God's word not only shows us where we're heading, it also shows us who we are, what other people see us, see in us, as they're looking at us. James says it's a bit like looking in a mirror. Got one here. You look in a mirror and, good heavens, well, you're all very polite. I look in the mirror and I find I'm not at all what I thought I looked like. It's a bit heavy, this mirror. It can be really uncomfortable seeing ourselves in the mirror, seeing what other people see. And very often we don't like 
what we see. We don't like what other people are seeing in us. And so we kind of, we create all sorts of defenses to protect ourselves from that sense of discomfort. And one of those defenses is to agree with others that we look terrible and then to put the mirror down and to forget all about it. We see what we're like, but we don't actually change. We don't do anything about it as a result. Well, it's a good strategy in the short term because we don't have to deal with the unpleasantness of uh, people thinking ill of us, nor the difficulty of changing ourselves. But the problem with it is that other people go on laughing at us and go on, we're still being repelled by us. Jesus, uh, James sorry, mentions a number of ways in which we might not look like Jesus, in which we might lose other people's re respect, this dirt on our face. For instance, are we, are we always having to give our opinion? Do we always have to have the last word? Ask yourself that question. Do we have a short fuse? Are we liable to road rage or to some other version of that, exploding into anger? Ask yourself. Are we dirty in our thinking? Our thinking about ourselves or about other people? Are we secretly reading porn or dipping into internet lusts? Are we wicked in our work practices or the way we use our money or deal with our family? Are we arrogantly sure of ourselves, resenting anybody else telling us what to do, even God himself? Do we have a sharp tongue? Are we always ready with a cutting answer? Are we heedless, uncaring of those who are in need? Do we despise them or do we presume that they're somebody else's job? What James is saying is this. Being with Jesus just doesn't, doesn't just change where we're going. It also profoundly changes who we are and how we behave. And if we can start to look in the mirror... Ah, If we can look into Jesus' face, gaze at him, and find in his loving eyes a mirror in which we can see ourselves and in it start bit by bit to allow his spirit to change us, we will find that we start to become more like Jesus more like him in all these ways that James has been mentioning. Bit by bit, slowly, we become slower to speak, slower to anger, pure in our thinking, good in our actions, humble in our self-perception, kind in our speech, compassionate of heart. This too is discipleship following Jesus, becoming like him, doing what he says. 
So there are going to be three major themes for the year. Listening to God's word and doing what it says. Prayer and worship. And fellowship. And we find all of these three themes in the passages that we've heard today. The disciples hear Jesus speaking to them and they follow him. So that's listening and doing. They spend time with Jesus, that's prayer. And they, uh, they recognize him and confess him as Messiah, that's worship. And they do it together in pairs, that's fellowship. And the result of all of this James promises that Jesus' word planted in you will do some amazing things. Firstly, it will bring you salvation. It will save you. It will free you from the ways in which you are stuck, the ways in which you are chained. You'll become pure and faultless, not worthless. And you'll be blessed in all you do. But above all, you get to spend the day with Jesus and to discover how much he delights to spend his day with you. Shall we pray? Dear Lord Jesus, we're blown away that you want to invite us to spend the day with you. We thank you for this story of your first disciples and how you chose them and you allowed them to follow you and then you invited them to come and see where you were and spend time with you. And as they did so, they were changed. Through them, you also invite us to follow you and to spend time with you too. This year, may we do that. May we hear and respond to your call. And in your presence, May we find ourselves changed by you. Amen.